0: The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orme, Sugar Sugarhouse, or St. George. That's Minky Couture on Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Time to welcome in John Corrales, host of Locked On Celtics on the Locked On Podcast Network. John, good morning. Hey, good morning, DJ. What's going on? Well, we are curious about the Boston Celtics and how good they are. And the record says they're twelve and ten. They have been one of the better teams in the conference for a few years now. How good? How good are they? Have they <laughs> slipped a peg?
1: What's the deal? Yeah, I'm also curious about how good they are because we haven't seen their full team. Uh, it's, it's been a few different iterations of the Celtics, and, and so right now. The Celtics are, are kind of treading water in a lot of ways. They, they spent the first part of their season without Kemba Walker. Um, they, they signed Tristan Thompson, but he came in with an injury. He didn't have a training camp. So we're only just seeing what he can do. Uh, Jason Tatum has missed time due to the health and safety protocols. Jalen Brown's missed a couple of games. Marcus Smart is missing most of this month uh, with the calf strain. So, The full strength of the Boston Celtics has not yet been realized at their best. The little that we've seen, they can be in that contender realm. Maybe a step below the Lakers and the Jazz, the way the Jazz are playing right now. At their worst, they don't look very good. They don't have a big margin for error. They've got, obviously, superstar-type talent in Jason Tatum, and he's really only starting to scratch the surface of that. Jalen Brown is starting to knock on that door a little bit. But they still haven't figured out how to play with one another now that Jalen Brown has taken that next step. So really when you look at the Boston Celtics, there's a lot that this team still has to figure out.
2: And when you look at them from year to year, it seems kind of crazy because Danny Ainge is a wheeler and dealer. We all know him from being out here and talked to him many times over the years. But it seems like there's been a little struggle with continuity from season to season to allow this group, whatever group it might be, to develop to its full potential. Can we say this group, and I realize there's guys been in and out of the lineup, as you've been saying, but is this the group that Ainge and his guys plan to have for a couple years, or is it going to be more changing of the roster?
1: Uh, Wow, you're asking me to predict a lot there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that Danny Ainge is done. I mean, he obviously has a traded player exception. They, they lost Gordon Hayward, so they have basically a $28.5 million coupon to spend on another player without sending uh, back anything in return if they don't have to. So there's still some question about who they're going to target with that, which teams are going to make certain guys available. So they're certainly going to add a at least one recognizable name uh, they prefer by the, the trade deadline. Um, there is some question, not that he's looking to shop Kemba Walker, but when you look at the Celtics timeline, they have a 23-year-old and a 24-year-old, and, and those are their two main guys. And Kemba Walker is sitting out there as a, a 30-year-old, and he makes you know 30-plus million dollars over the next two years. You have to wonder if an opportunity comes up, and Kemba Walker is is somebody that another team would want. Whether Danny Ainge would entertain that? Now, I'm not saying he's looking to shop Kemba, but it's, that possibility exists. Whenever you have a player that's on a different timeline than the rest of the team, that's a, that kind of sticks out a little bit. So, you know that Tatum and Brown are going to stay. You have a good feeling that Marcus Smart's going to stay at least for a couple more years and then it's a matter of can they can they add a a player versus uh, player with the traded player exception that that fits this timeline and, and whether Kemba Walker can adjust his game enough to say hey look I'm I'm comfortable being the third guy I can I can stay by you know the, the corners and whatever and adjust my game so I can enhance what they're doing so you don't have to go and and shop me around in search for somebody new
0: DJ PK, we're talking Celtics right now with John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtic Network, Jazz and Celtics, coming up tonight. So uh, there's a little bit of a Gordon Hayward obsession here. I, I think it's easing. <laughs> it's easing. It's, you know, they didn't have a ton of success. They didn't win a championship, so some people lightened up. And then he moved on, so some more people lightened up. But no one has completely forgotten him either. Write the final chapter of the Gordon Hayward-Boston Celtics story and the, uh, you know, how much was it a mutual decision to part or, or not?
1: Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it was mutual, uh, but I think that it, it was, certainly was nothing to the level of what happened in Utah. I mean, the, it, certainly because he was a different player back then. He was the future. And, you know, it was, it was pre-Donovan Mitchell, and you kind of felt abandoned by a guy who's supposed to take you to this level. This conversation that we're having about the Utah Jazz being the hottest team in the NBA and, and the best record was supposed to be the Gordon Hayward-led Utah Jazz. No, there was no, after Gordon Hayward's injury in Boston, that kind of all went out the window. So, and, and it feels so long ago. There was a, a Kyrie Irving, you know, dalliance in there. there. There's so many different versions of the Celtics that have existed since then, and, and Hayward never quite got his footing. So I don't, I'm a, I'm a Hayward believer. Like, I'm not surprised by what he's doing in Charlotte. I, I still think he's very good. But I, I'm, I don't think anybody in Boston was like, well, we just lost the key piece to, to the Celtics making that next step. I think the Celtics having Gordon Hayward would be very helpful because they need a wing like that. But at the same time, he, wasn't, he, he didn't feel like he was getting the full use out of his skills. He wanted to go somewhere to do what he left Utah to do, which was be the main guy. And, and, and make all his money and make all star teams. And he just wasn't going to be doing that in Boston. He has an opportunity to do that now in Charlotte. And as much as I think the Celtics can use him, it's, it's just a matter of like, all right, if you want to go, you got to go.
2: So we know how that played out. As far as the, one of the reasons why it played out, was it just simply the emergence one Taylor or, or Tatum and two
1: Brown? Yeah, I think I think having seen that this was going to be their team moving forward, like they have, they were clearly the one-two, and Kemble was brought in and he was going to sort of be the three, as uh, in, in the uh, you know on the totem pole there. And I don't think Hayward was thrilled about the idea. He said he was willing to come back, but I don't think he was thrilled about the idea of just being the. Kind of overflow offense guy, or I'm going to move the ball and, and do my best to make them look better and put myself behind those guys. That I, I think that was just one of the driving factors. Because going to Charlotte, if, if winning was the driving factor, then he wouldn't have gone to the Charlotte Hornets. Like let's let's be honest here. Um, they're they're looking okay, but there's always going to be some question about whether the Charlotte Hornets are going to make the next move to, to really make that next step. Uh, if he wanted to win, he would have stayed in Boston, or he, you know, going home to Indiana would have made more sense. So uh, I, I think seeing what was, what was coming in Boston and understanding that he was going to be minimized was, was part of the fuel. And also, Charlotte gave him a ton more money than I think any other team wanted to give him, and, and that's also important, too.
0: John Corrales joining us, host of Locked On Celtics. So we need an outsider's view of how good the Jazz are. What is their ceiling, potential ceiling? Are they a contender, a strong contender? Are the Lakers still the favorite? Well, Hel- Help us out.
1: Yeah, I would still put the Lakers as the favorite because they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. And that, that to me, kind of trumps as far as on paper, what the Jazz have by a little bit. But that's not to say that if it was a Western Conference Finals, Lakers-Jazz, like, yeah, Lakers would be favored, but that would be, in my opinion, a seven-game series. And it, it may depend on whether the Jazz could get home court and and have that seventh game in altitude, you know, at home. And if, if fans are going to be in there, then that adds another element, too. So the the Utah Jazz, for sure, I think are – are in that list of contenders. They have to be taken seriously. Uh, I, I think the change in style, where they've been shooting uh, so many threes and making so many threes. I looked at the numbers. The first year of Quinn Snyder's, uh, the first year of Quinn Snyder in Utah, they took 21.7 threes per game. They're now up to 42.1. So they've doubled the, the amount of threes. That's a significant stylistic change. In, in what the Jazz are doing. And because he's looking at his personnel and he's looking at what these, these, these guys can do well, and he says, hey, we're going we're gonna to start shooting these threes. you You're shooting them efficiently. And you've got Mike Conley playing great basketball, meshing very well with Rudy Gobert. And I think Royce O'Neal is, is one of the most important unheralded players in the league. I mean, he's doing so much. And I think Royce O'Neal allows the Jazz to win games when one of the other stars, like a Donovan Mitchell, isn't shooting well. If he's having an off night, a guy like Royce O'Neal comes in and does enough to help the team win. So they're very well-constructed. They're very well-coached. They're disciplined. They know who they are. Uh, Those are all factors. Uh, And obviously they've got the high-end talent. Those are all factors that go into a championship team. So the Utah Jazz winning it all this year would not be surprising. So you look
2: at the Celtics as far as this ball game tonight. They're, I think they're five and seven in their last twelve. A lot of win one, lose one type of thing. I think tonight mm-hmm. they're wrapping up what their sixth games or six out of seven on the road and four or five in a row here before they go home. So it doesn't look like they've got injury issues. It doesn't look like that on paper that they will put forth much of an inspired effort. But the Jazz are going to miss Conley, and I know the, the Celtics have their injury issues too, obviously. What do you expect out of them in this ballgame?
1: Well, I think the Celtics coming off of a very tough loss to Phoenix. Uh, I think they're they're going to be focused. This is the end of a road trip. They get to go home. This is going to be like the the kind of rallying cry. They know that they're playing the best team in basketball at the moment so they are uh, I think they're going to be up for the challenge now whether the guys that the Celtics rely on can actually live up to that that's going to be a problem because uh, obviously Tatum I think Jalen Brown may be back he's listed as questionable Kimball Walker needs to, to shoot better than he's been shooting I mean those three guys can carry Uh, In offense, but it's it's the other guys that are trying to step up for the injured Marcus Smart. Uh, Can one of the guys off the bench they've been relying on, Carson Edwards, Grant Williams, one of these guys, can they do enough to kind of hold off uh, their counterpart on Utah? And can the Celtics pull Rudy Gobert away from the rim enough? They've got Daniel Tice. I think that Daniel Tice has been, first of all, he's been shooting well lately. So I think he can do a decent job of being a threat to to pull Gobert away and, and open up driving lanes. If they can do that, then they have a chance. It really boils down to can they open up the driving lanes for Tatum and Brown to get to the rim and draw some fouls. If they can't, if the spacing is bad and if Gobert's blocking a bunch of shots, then this is going to be a long night for the Boston Celtics. But if they can go out there and and kind of – eliminate the threat of Gobert blocking shots. And if they can, if their role players, if they're unheralded guys can come in and play above their heads a little bit, they'll, they'll have a chance. I, I mean, I still expect the Jazz to win this. They should win this. They're at home. They're a great team. But it, it really, it's hard to say exactly which Celtics team we're going to get. But if we get the good version, then they'll, they'll have a chance.
0: John Corrales, host of Locked on Celtics. John, before we let you go, i, I got to ask you one football question, even though you're doing the Celtics podcast. I'm just curious about how, how Boston-area fans are reacting to Brady winning the Super Bowl. Is the mood in the town there, hey, good for him, he got a six, so whatever he can get in Tampa, good for him. Are they, are they bitter that he's gone? Um, hey, he should have finished here. Uh, we went through a little bit of that with Stockton and Malone here at the end of their career. Stockton finished, Malone played for the Lakers for a year. Uh, how's it going over there?
1: I think I think generally people are, are kind of like, it's bittersweet. Uh, but I can tell you this. I saw the ratings. The ratings for this game were higher in Boston than they were in Tampa. So there was a ton of interest. And I, I think generally speaking, people are like, well, Brady's done so much for this team that, you know, all right, this is the end of his career. He went and got one somewhere else, kind of proving, uh, you know, Belichick and, and Kraft like a little wrong. Like, I think that, they're, they're behind Brady and it's fuel for the, hey, what are we doing over here now? Let's get the Patriots back into uh, into contention as well. But I, I there's certainly an element of people who are upset at Brady, but I think by and large people are just happy for him. John, we
0: appreciate the time. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. John Corrales, you can listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast he does in Locked On NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network. DJ and PK, everything you missed on this show, we'll wrap it up for you next. Stay with us.